Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. You know, these games about winning and losing, and you know, come in here and get swept the way we did. Um, their offense, we just had trouble with. You know, there's a lot of big innings, a lot of crooked numbers. You know, I think our guys stayed with it, and we got some opportunities there, and we got some big hits to get us back in the game. Um, you know, when when you get as close as we did there late, it makes you think about some of the some of the runs we gave up along the way. Um, you know, so that's frustrating. I'm glad Wetmore's in here. Him and I have been on the same page all year about the Twins being cooked since the yeah. second week oh, of the yeah. season. Uh, Him and okay. I have been in lockstep on this. The season's been over Come for on, three boys, months. Come on, boys, hash it out. Hash it out now. Welcome it to the bandwagon, my friend. And here we are. Here we are on July 1st, July 2nd. So- it was hot, huh? In in I guess Chicago. So. I guess so. I heard it was on Saturday's game. I, I heard once or twice. Let's start there. Go ahead. That yeah. it was hot. Uh, all right. Did anyone else watch that game? Did Saturday. Did you watch the yeah, game I on Saturday? Saturday? All right. All right. Richard, I understand it was hot. Richard Bramer, I get it was hot. But my God, if I ever have to hear a whole telecast on being concerned that grown men who are professional athletes in the prime of their lives are all going to drop dead, I honestly I. I at one point said I got to turn the sound down, and then I thought, well, no, I can't. I'm so far in. I've got to hear how many times he's going to talk about it. I just want to talk about the you know the the professionalism here and how hot. All right, it was super hot. It's summer. If if everyone's was that, it historically hot? If every, I mean, they've played afternoon games in the summer in Chicago for a hundred years. So. This happened, and they used to wear wool uniforms like in the 1930s. It was real hot. Pass, okay, passing out in the outfield but, in wool uniforms. But, but my God, if it's that bad, then then have a rule in that if it's X amount of degrees on the field, the game is going to be delayed until night. And if it's not that bad, let's just play and not have to hear about it. The one thing that I kept thinking of, though, is as a kid, I can't tell you guys how many Twins games I watched in Kansas City where it's real hot, too. And they used to play on artificial turf where it gets hotter. So... The Saturday telecast, I, I was, if, if I could have gone to my roof, if my roof was like three more stories, I would have launched my carcass off of that thing. I was just See, so. Because Bramer has blocked me, not on, not just on Twitter, but in life. When I watch the broadcast, I only hear Latroy Hawkins. Like I, I'm not able. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Able, yeah. <laughs> oh, he never says that. And he calls him Richard too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I heard it got hot on Friday and Saturday. That was the rumor. I wasn't in Chicago, so I don't really have a good perspective on that, but. Saturday's was one of the craziest games that I've seen in a while. You don't have an outfield of Williams, Astadio, Robbie Grossman, and nice Logan Morrison. That very name, by the way. That was Thank good. you. I've been practicing. I knew I was going to talk to you guys on the radio, so needed to learn not only how to spell it, but anyways, it, a bizarre game, and I don't know. I think bigger picture, I'm not as concerned about the weather as Judd. I look at it as a sweep in Chicago in which you gave up 150 runs, it seemed like, over the course of three games. And you are now absolutely buried in the American League Central standings. I I don't see coming back from this with less than a month to go before the trade deadline. You know what the Twins are great at, though? Falling behind by like nine runs and then still making it sort of fun in the seventh inning, but losing anyway. Incredible. They've done that like four times Incredible, (laughs) improbable. I give them all the props in the world for the offense that you know to get back to that point. But what are the odds of that? You know what? It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Well, of course it drives you crazy. Well, wait, wait, wait. Imagine but how Mahler feels. If you're a plucky bunch, if you're a plucky bunch and you come back, like like last year, they 
did, they did it, and it was endearing at times. But this group, to me, I'm beginning to despise more and more. You played so bleep poor on the, the, for the first the part of Sunday's game, and then you got this late. Let's go back and get them, boys. Around. It's despicable to me. I'm like either <laughs> lose, words, either the lose, words you're using right either now. lose by ten, lose by ten, or don't get down by eight or nine. Oh, you don't want Judd, them to show fight. Judd got stirred up a little bit. No, this I'm morning, just, I think. I'm saying they were they were plucky last year. They're becoming more and more despicable by the day this year to me. I, I wrote. Oh, go ahead. Dave. I was going to say I wrote about that on Sunday. The idea of the big comeback, but but that it was unnecessary. This is my five thoughts column for today. That's on the website, and and there are two things that I saw. One is the at bat to John Lester. Lance Lynn gets a 2-2 fastball that maybe was a strike, and he looked pretty mad about it, and it was called a ball. So, okay, fine, go make your next pitch to a pitcher who's hit one home run in his big league career. He didn't. He gave up a three-run bomb, and the game changes. Next batter, Lynn (laughs) fails to cover first base, and five runs score after that. Five runs scored after you should have had the third out. So Where is he at this year? Look, if you're a, a member of the Twins front office or coaching staff or even a teammate, you see that and you say, what the heck, man? What the heck? We are so far behind in the standings. We need to scratch and claw and fight for every inch, and then you're not going to cover first base? That wouldn't sit well with me if I was with the Twins. And I watched yesterday's game and basically said, I wasn't annoyed like you, Judd, because I I, like emotionally I'm not invested to the degree that you are in things like the weather and the telecast well and i stuff. spent time yes i mean yes. it was a, a portion portion of my you, day you wished and, at like six and, o'clock that you had that time and back. i will say right now lance lynn i think he's a fraud this this whole this whole i am mr competitive thing to me it's like if this is true then show it when you don't cover first base and then i, I believe he, he was asked about it after the game, and he said, well, that that's on me. And I think somebody said, did Paul talk to you about it? And he said, I was too mad being, mm. I, I was too mad at, at myself to process what oh, Paul, God. That that's fraudulence you know, though, right there. I, I mean, Logan Morrison could have made a better play. I mean, he maybe comes in on that ball. I'm not saying it's 100% on Lance the game, Lynn. Did the, the game that Lance pitched well in, and then he got all mad about yeah. it. I didn't get, yeah, I, that's right. I, I sense some, some fraudulent competitiveness well, that he's trying to sell. Here's an issue, too. Adalberto Mejia has the same thing happen to him on Saturday. You're late covering first base and a fast runner gets on because of your inability to cover that that to me i i get it there are more things that go into being a big league pitcher and and he's got to make his pitches and stuff like that but that that to me if i was his teammate or if i was on his coaching staff i would be so annoyed with that at this point in the season that those things are happening um that mejia maybe it's an isolated incident because that was his first start of 2018 but on lynn i wanted to pose this to you guys because i asked my readers in the column the newsletter uh, last night, how many more starts do you think Lance Lynn makes in a Twins uniform? Well, this is what's it's his performance, and I'll use the word despicable. The judges used it was an embarrassing performance. It's it's bad in that it helps the Cubs beat the Twins in that moment, like it just costs you a game in that moment. But it's also bad because he had been pitching pretty well for a couple months. Yeah, and really? you're, you're getting close to the trade deadline, and if he just strings together like four more of those things or even two or three more of those things and and some team looks over and says all right okay yeah we, he's not going to be our ace by any means but we're looking to make the playoffs or make a wild card game so he's hurting the twins in two ways he's like preventing them from winning when he does that and preventing them from trading him i honestly think he hasn't he hasn't mentally gotten over the offseason snubbing as he perceives it sure he could have been a st louis cardinal 
for three or four million dollars more than what he's making with the Twins. Five million more, I think. Five million? So five million more? He'd rather be in St. Louis pitching for more money than doing this with the Twins, and it's obvious every time he takes the mound. He's the most miserable-looking twin in a bad season on a roster that keeps cycling through. Like, there's been 50 guys on this roster, and he's number one in the miserable-looking rankings. I've got, what, three, four more starts before the All-Star break? Three, Let's say three starts. And then you've got three or four after the break before the deadline. But Estad Levine was quoted in that MLB.com story uh, two weekends ago saying, well, yeah, we'd like to give this thing some time, but boy, if you wait until the deadline with how many sellers there are, there might not be buyers left by July 31st. Yeah, so go. He's it's time right. to, maybe it's time to move. If you're the twins, I would be making, I would put it this way. I would be having those conversations. I would have an all hands meeting like today to figure out, all right, which way is this going to go? Are we really going to play this string out for four more weeks, even three more weeks? Or is it just time to, is it decision time on the 2018 season? I, I put the over under guys just like for fun, chatting with friends. Three and a half starts over or, under. You, you take the over, take the under, take your pick, but that might be a 50 50 bet. If they're not on the horn right right now, in fact, if they didn't get on the phone a week ago or so, they're crazy. Because you're because you're right. The the issue is this: baseball has changed now, and if you go up to July thirty first and say, "Hey, now now we we'd like to make trades," you got a lot of guys who are going Open to be moved by bidding. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so the way that baseball works now, and with teams actually tanking on purpose. I think if you if you were the twins, you would identify a week and at least a week ago that it's time to make those phone calls. So is it fair to say I, I, I we're this this season is just a it's a lost cause and it's not what anyone watching the team as a fan or in the organization thought was going to happen. You didn't think you're going to be this far out of it at the trade deadline. Is it fair to say that short term this is a disaster, but long term I personally still like where they are as an organization. I like that they don't have a bunch of crippling contracts. Um, I like that Royce Lewis is batting 320 with yeah. barely a strikeout at, and he's going to be up at high A pretty soon. I like that they have assets. A bunch of questions about Sano and Buxton, obviously. Um, but like, I think it's fair to say that short term, this is a com- complete bus fire. But long term, it doesn't have to be that, oh, this is all just heading to the sewer. Yeah. They've got some things well, that you can hang your hat on. I, I agree with you a little bit, but here's where I'd fight you is. If you told me in a vacuum in spring training, hey, this club's not making the postseason, and some of the guys you brought in you'll be disappointed with, I'd have been like, well, okay, all right. 2019 still a good year. They're still building around a young core. They're ready to go. The Indians probably take a step back just given the contracts and free agents and stuff like that. That that might not be a bad situation. I actually I might have taken that in spring training if you said, hey, it's not going to work this year, but you'll still be in a great spot for next year. I don't feel that way right now, and there are three reasons why. One, we'll see Jorge Polanco for the first time tonight. We don't know what he's going to be. I was really, really optimistic of on Jorge Polanco this winter and what his future held for the Twins. I thought they have a star shortstop on their hands. Still some questions defensively, but the way that guy hit the final two months of the season, I thought you got a star player. Boom, that's one. Two, Byron Buxton is only getting better. He played like a superstar down the stretch. <laughs> Boom. That's to Miguel Sano. What more needs to be said on this radio station about where Miguel Sano's career is at? So I think if those three things were unknown to me this winter, and you just said like, hey, not going to be a postseason club, but like 
there's still some things to like. I would have said, yeah, that sounds about right. That's It's about where they are. Maybe they played a little bit over their heads last year, got to the postseason, good stepping stone, step back, fine. That's That's okay. As it is, the way this has played out, I think this has got to be concerning for the three- and five-year future of the Twins that you don't know what you have in those three players that I sort of expected to be stars. Hey, so no did go two for four last night in um, four Myers. A little congratulations. Ho- first home run in 34 trips. How old was the pitcher that he was facing? And, come on. And I, I saw it. It's a big night. On, it was tweeted, and it looks like he's lost some weight, and I'm not joking. All right. It looks like he's lost. Well, good. Weight. Then he's uh, on the right track. The, the problem. The problem. You know, those Fort Myers uniforms are very slimming. Okay. The problem to what what you you just said, Derek, is this. Look at what Buxton's not doing in Rochester. He's not hitting still. Yeah, they're going to just. They're he's gonna not coming. He's not coming back. I bet you they option him. He's not coming back for yeah. a long time. Well, he'll he might still beat Miguel back. And, and <laughs> he I heard. And I heard Bramer saying, you know, it's going to be good to get him back in center. For, Dick, he ain't coming back for. A while. You've got to get him right. If you bring him back to play defense, then I am going to turn on, on th- these guys big. Time. I want to see Jake Cave get some run in center field. If he they, can play a little but bit. But if they bring him back to play defense, that's a massive mistake. Yeah, you got to do right by Buxton. I think they will. You got to do right by Buxton. You got to do right by Sano. Yep. And let's see what uh, Jorge Polanco brings the rest of the way. And he's going to join in Milwaukee here. Yeah, Sounds I like think, today, I think right? It's possible he could play tonight. They haven't yeah. made a roster move. They haven't announced anything, but that's kind of the rumbling. Uh, and, to, and to your point from like 10 minutes ago, just to put a mental snapshot in your heads, they had an outfield at one point of a designated hitter, a first baseman, and a catcher slash other positions named Williams. And he was, that was their outfield. And he at was one playing point. center field on Saturday because <laughs> it was really hot there. Uh, field. Brian Dozier said something interesting that we should uh, let's let's run this by Wetmore and see what he thinks. Mackie and Judd, uh, the Touch 'Em All podcast. You can find Wetmore and I and all kinds of uh, different things every week on the Touch 'Em All podcast feed. First opposing uh, pitcher to homer off the Twins since uh, Brewers pitcher did it in 1999. Do you guys remember uh, Dan Perkins? Dan Perkins. There was a guy named Dan Perkins. Wow. I, all a blur to me. Well, I don't. There are some pitchers in those times for the Twins, though, that passed through. First, uh, I, I looked this up the other day. I went through Lynn's home run log. That is the How long did that take you? 100th career. Not as long as you might think. 1,000 strikeouts in his career. Uh, 100 home runs allowed now if you include the postseason. Yep. First time that a pitcher took Lance Lynn deep in the major leagues. So Congratulations. And it was a shock, too. Wow. Congratulations. That's the 1500 ESPN Research Department. All right, well, guys, thanks for having me. I'll I'll catch you next week. Uh, Brian Dozier said this to our friend Dan Hayes, who's going to be on with us. uh, Well, actually, he's usually on with us Wednesdays. We'll see. Maybe we can get him this week, uh, even though Wednesday's the 4th. But uh, Brian Dozier to The Athletic over the weekend regarding this contract season for him where he didn't really get the conversations that he wanted to. And so the question was sort of, has this been an odd season for you? And Dozier said this. I want your guys' thoughts on this. It's been a little different. There's some other stuff that only a couple people know about that I haven't really shared with anybody else and probably won't until later on down the line. That's been the most frustrating thing, but it kind of is what it is. I've still got a job to do here, and that's helped lead these guys back into the postseason. With that being said, you're going to get 100% of me. End quote. Okay, so he's basically saying, yeah, it's been a weird year. There's some things like, I'm not going to make excuses, but there's an excuse, maybe multiple, that I'll maybe reveal down the road. I need I need for him to either elaborate more 
or to not throw those morsels out. Sure. On one hand, you appreciate that he's not going to make it about him, that he's not going to throw up excuses for the season that he's had to date. But he kind of is. On the other hand... He's saying, like, there's an excuse, but I'm not going to tell you what the excuse is until later, maybe. We'll Well, see. Well, I... Yeah. And his job to lead this team back to the postseason, like, that ship has sailed to me. I told you the guys that on May 1st, and I was... I was blasted for that at the time, and well, by Judd. I yeah. mean, I mean, this guy took it very personally. Me and Phil tried to tell you. Right oh here. yeah, you guys yeah. were in lockstep, no question about <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, you know, that to me, I I can appreciate when a player's not going to make it about themselves and all that. And we should say this in Dozier's defense, because I think I I, I think I'm with you, Phil. That quotes like that are kind of like cockamamie boo boo. But there is this amount of he has taken the podium. All the time, every day for four years for a team that then said, oh, you're in your final year. Okay, well, hey, good luck with that. And he said, guys, media, fans, I want to be here. I want to be a Minnesota twin. I want to be here for the long term. Let's get something done. Let's make it happen. And crickets. So from if, if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I could see being entirely frustrated with the whole, oh, I'm the company spokesman. Oh, I'm in the last year of a team-friendly contract and hit all these home runs for you guys. And I answered the bell with the media every single day for four, five seasons. But he's seasons. choosing to do that. That's his decision. Sure. Like, if he's sure, going to do it, that's still great. doing it. Well, sure, and I appreciate it's that, extra but work. it's his choice. It's, it's extra his... work. He's being a front man. But he could have he said in March, hey, guys, look, if, if you're Just not, not going to, to extend me, I'm not going to be. And, and that doesn't mean that he has to be a jerk or an ass about it. Sure. But he could have said, hey, look, if, if you're not going to extend my contract and I'm not your guy, then things are going to change. And and we, we would have been highly offended probably for a week and then been like, okay, I we'll find we somebody else. I we would have up for it. Well, you know, I just and it's, it's a rock and a hard place for him. All I'm saying is that, like, if you've felt like you've earned this due, and then when you get to decision day and you're not given that due, man, I would be. And I don't even know if he's talking about an injury or anything like that. He might just be talking about the contract. He might be talking about something in his personal life that we have That's no idea I like, about. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Is it no something idea. very personal? Is it just? Yeah. Is it contract? Is it injury? And obviously, if he wants to expand on it, he can. I think if we just go back to what we're seeing on the field from him this year. And he has started to show some signs of life in the last couple of weeks where he's up to like 12 home runs now. And I think there's a run of two months in there. Like there always is with him, yes. but this is what's, this is probably the second or third season where things are happening. There's a couple injuries or young players and they need their guy, Brian Dozier, who makes not top money, but he makes like big time professional baseball money. And he puts up numbers over the course of a season and they need him over a two or three month stretch where they got a shortstop who's been suspended. They've got a couple struggling young players and everyone's kind of looking over to him like, dude, our offense needs a jolt. And where's the run it's not there? And it's not there. And that's happened a couple different times from him Yeah, where he just, he just ghosts you for two or three months at a time. Yeah. And not, I mean, look, not to make this all about money and leadership because that conversation could go on for hours and hours. Dozier's making nine million and has to be the front man because he's better at talking to the media because the first baseman makes twenty three million and is not that guy is not the rah rah leader kind of a guy that puts Dozier in a weird and bad spot and then when he's sort of the you want to call it the figurehead whether it's Brian Dozier or Paul Molitor when they're the ones visibly quote unquote I'll say failing just because of where the Twins are at in the standings mm-hmm. you look at the club as a whole it's collectively failing and then you look at the sort of figureheads and it's it's Dozier. It's Maurer to a lesser extent, I think, and it's Molitor, and it's the new front office, and it's all of that. 
Well, and then you take a Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton, Irvin Santana, and on and on and on and on out of the equation, and the team just flops. I think a misplaced amount of blame gets placed on the people, you know, at the top of it, rather than just calling it what it is and saying, like, A. Ray Adrianz is your shortstop, yeah. Mitch Garver's your catcher, you're playing with a mixed bag of outfielders right now because your supposed superstar's just not there and he wasn't performing. It's a it's a bleak picture right now for the 2018 Twins. And I, I just think that blame kind of has to be spread all the way around. In the case of, of Brian, though, I think if you're going to talk now, you, you either say, this is wrong, Hey Dan, here, here's yeah, a talk. I probably or, wouldn't or have said just, that. Or you just don't say a thing because you're about to be said, set yeah. free. You're about to be gone. You're probably going to be traded at this point. So I just playing second base for a contender. It's just it's just frustrating to me when a guy basically says, "I'm not going to make excuses, but I'm going to float you one. I'm going to float you one, and then you and then you assess what what the excuse is." It feels like a football is. thing to me. It too. does. It like does. You covered the NFL for a long annoys, time. And it, it's annoying at best. It yeah. It it feels like really a football necessary. thing that. You're not going to hear a word from me. I'm not going to say anything negative, but like I, I could. Yeah, just so you know, my foot might be broken, well, or I, something might be wrong at, look, at home, or I'm not pleased with with my contract. Right, and, look, I don't even want to speculate. Way, and by the way, this is pro sports, boys. Lots of times, guys, contracts lapse, and that's it. Like this, this notion, this notion in sports that's growing about you got to sign this guy to, to an extension. He's sure. a good guy. No, you don't. Brian prudent, Robinson. Prudent, prudent decisions. Prudent decisions are sometimes made. By not signing guys. Sure. Miko Koivu. Sure. Might be a great guy, right? Signing him to two year contract was stupid. Sure. Yeah. There Sorry. was a time when I was all for like a three year extension for Dozier at 15 or 20 million yeah, as recently as a few months ago. Yeah. This is on the podcast. Yeah. And I don't think it would be, I think, I think a team's going to get value out of him for a few years. This I don't think he's washed up by any no, means. No. And I don't either. I think a hot stretch is coming and I think he could have productive, powerful years. This isn't fair to me to throw at you guys and then run out the door, but. If you want to talk about it later, Brian Dozier, you could trade him or you could hang on to him and offer him the qualifying offer, which maybe it'll be around $18 million this year for one year. If he accepts that, one-year contract, $18 million, your leader in the clubhouse, second baseman, power guy, if he turns it down, you get a high draft pick. I, I'm fascinated to see which way they go with Dozier, if they trade him or keep him, and then explore their other options. Yeah. And we'll find out in the next few weeks, obviously, you know, well, they could trade him August 31st too, depending on, sure. but I don't know how, I don't think he's the type of guy that would pass through waivers very easily. Somebody would claim him and then you'd be negotiating with one team. So right. Wetmore, find him on 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast.